Dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. I am Daniel McFadden, and with me, as, with me as always is my podcasting co-host and good friend, James Crow. Say hello, Crow. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, May 12th, 2021, which means we are three days out from the annual throwback weekend at Darlington Raceway where we saw races won by Sheldon Creed in the Truck Series, Justin Algar in the Xfinity Series, and Martin Truex Jr. in the Cup Series on Sunday in the Goodyear 400. And he had he was the only one who didn't win with a real legitimate throwback scheme. Um, so shame on you. <laughs> so Martin Truex Jr. and team, shame on you. for your. I wish, I wish they would have called the race the uh, Goody McGood race. <laughs> Thank you for that note, Crow. <laughs> I, I think from now on, it should always be whatever the sponsor is. So so this is Goodyear, so it's the Goody Goodyear Goodrace. Um, let's see, if there, it's if it's Camping World, the Camping McCamp World oh, Camp Race. I think we should just about stick the, with this. Is this going to be your head cannon? Yes. I, I, can no longer, I, I can no longer refer to the races by the real names. I have to... Use their internet names yes. or their meme names. The the mm. day e Daytona five hundred. I just no. <laughs> well, the actual name for the truck series race. The Koki McCola five hundred. Oh gosh, help us! This is already going off the rails. Um. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Crow, what was your uh, your assessment of the 400-mile race at Darlington Raceway Sunday? Um, I think they should put, like, a wheel that's at, like, 40, or 90 degrees on the passenger side of the car, two of them. And then they can just run, like, slot cars along the wall. Okay, okay, Why? Because they're already doing that already. No, uh, not in this race, no. This is not the slot car. This is not the 550 horsepower oh no, oh, package. This I mean, the they're like all running up against the wall. I don't know. The, the most standout thing for Darlington was, uh, like, I, I wish there was a counter for every time Blaney tapped the wall. Well, they were trying to do that. Fox had, had this, like, counter at some point, like, throughout the race. How many Darlington stripes have there, are there? Um, well, I'm specifically so. talking about Blaney because that's where every time he was on camera, he's a boop the wall, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Never messed him up. I don't think he ever actually wrecked or anything, but it's just like boop. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that that would be funny if there was like a sensor specifically in like the, the right rear fender that said how many times you hit the wall in a race, and that like got you an award at the end. Like, yeah. I don't even know what it'd be, but... That's what I'm saying. Like, we're, ta- we're already talking about next-gen cars. So, in the next-gen Darlington car, we'll just have a Darlington car. And we just put two wheels on the side. And then you can just run... You just... You don't even have to turn. You just, just hit the gas. Go around. Okay. All jokes aside, uh, what, what did you think of 
Martin Truex Jr. Uh, leading 248 of 293 laps, sweeping every stage on his way to the win, and just just obliterating the competition. Um, well, as he said, as he um, crossed the finish line, that was an ass whooping. He said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- th- it's really weird. Martin Truex Jr. When he that's pretty much like the only way he really wins is with ass whoopings like it's there, there was a race at charlotte motor speedway the coke 600 a few years ago where he led all but like three laps <laughs> it's, it's a 400 lap race and it was just it was horrible but he he just creamed him um either he's either he's passing passing for the lead with like seven to go or something or he's just creaming you there's yeah. no in between with with martin jokes jr um, but I mean, you take away, like I joked after the race on Twitter. Okay, guys, here, here's Martin Truex stats, 248 laps led, swept every stage. Which, which, which rules package was used? Um, and uh, if you told someone that like in a vacuum, I'm pretty sure they would have picked the 550 package instead of the 750. But regardless of the stats, I thought this was, a, which was a very watchable race. Um, yeah, there was some very good racing right behind Martin Turex Jr., about two seconds behind at minimum. Over but, there on the horizon. Over there on the horizon, yeah, I see some A couple of turns back. Yeah, but there was some really good racing. Um, I really liked, I think the most exciting part was into stage two um, with uh, Larson and Hamlin and I can't remember who the third person was, but... Um, and really, most of the really, really exciting racing, and I think, involved Larson just trying to figure yeah. out how to get anywhere close to Martin Truex yeah. Jr. Yeah, it's like you, you thought. Well, Truex clearly has the better car, but Larson might just be able to find something that gets him right there. And he got within, I think, a couple of car lengths at one point. But I he think was he, never able to even pull up beside him. Towards the end, he got to about one second behind. Um, okay. And then he fell back to two seconds in the last few laps. But he had that one maneuver where yeah. he, he, he had just he barely got through two different cars right there in the close light. I was like, oh, that's cool. That, that's that's a maneuver. Yeah, that so, was. I mean, that was insane. It was probably high, like you know one of the highlight real passes of the year. Um, didn't do much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that no, that was neat. Yeah, but you know, um, but like. From the drop of the hat, though, this was a, just a different race compared to the the 400-mile race that we had last year, which was the first one back after the uh, COVID shutdown. Like, Kev- Kevin Harvick passed Brad Kozlowski for the lead on lap six. Last year, uh, the first change of the lead didn't come to lap 45. Um, so the first, four, the first stage itself was much more competitive uh, than the, the race was last year. Um it still resulted in basically two this, a driver stomping the field, um, but this one was a much more, like I said, watchable, entertaining stomping. Um, the first stage, like I like I remember, I chose I chose Ross Chastain last week, um, and early on he was showing he had a car. I believe he started twenty eighth and he got up to to tenth or eighth, and then green flag pit stop started. And then he didn't pit. And then he still didn't pit. And he's just, I'm just, okay, we're just going to stay out here and hope a caution comes out. 
And that, that, that strategy just baffled me. Because you clearly had a good car. You don't need to do what you're doing. And they screwed themselves over, went a lap down, and finished 15th. When mm-hmm. they had, at least early on, at least a top 10 car. Um, that just that was just completely baffling. Um, but then, yeah, once, once Martin Truex Jr. got up to the lead, it was really just um, his race. And I believe that's his second win at Darlington. And, like, all three of his wins have come on 750 horsepower tracks this year. Phoenix, Martinsville, and uh, Darlington. And those are very important tracks, Crow. Uh, because Darlington is the first race... Uh, the Southern 500 is the first race of the playoffs. Martinsville is the final elimination race in the round of eight. And then you have Phoenix, which is the championship race. So, right now, Martin Truex Jr. has dropped the hammer. Um, hey, hey, see what, see what I did there? Drop, drop the... No? Okay. That's the name of the show, yeah. <laughs> so, he, he has put his foot down and established his flag. Um as being the guy to be scared of at those tracks. not Maybe not specifically Martinsville, because he didn't dominate that race, Dimitri Hamlin did, but he was there at the end. Um, but Truex has a history of dominating at, at um, Martinsville. So uh, right now he is the championship favorite, despite Denny Hamlin having a 75-point lead over Truex and not having a win. Um, and... That was pretty much the basis of my column this week at FrenchDrench.com is that um, we just this weekend at Dover is the end of a six race stretch where um, Hamlin has a combined total of 17 wins at six tracks. But now uh, after Dover, you got a string of tracks where he's never won at or never raced at. Yeah, it, it is getting kind of absurd. That Hamlin has such a big lead and can't win. It, it, it's it's the yeah it's the opposite of what happened for him last year. Uh, at this point, twelve races into the season, he had two wins, but he was only like seventh in points. Um, but now he's no wins, and he's been first in points since the second race of the year. Um, so, he, so how absurd do you think it has to get? before you start having those closed-door meetings at NASCAR HQ on, <laughs> you know. How, how, do, how do we change the format again, you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I don't think that you have those meetings for this. Um, because then it then becomes kind of a fun game. Like, how, how long can he go <laughs> by being in front of the points and not winning? But, I mean, like I said, I, I write in my column, he has to win at some point. He has to get stage points at some. He has to. He has to win some stages. I don't. I don't think he's won a stage since Homestead. It's been a while since he's he's won a stage. So um, if he doesn't start getting playoff points at a certain point, that's going to come back to bite him. And I think though, if he, if he somehow um, you know wins the regular season title, he gets fifteen playoff points. So that would that wouldn't hurt, but. Uh, you def- definitely don't want to rely on 15 when your teammate Martin Truex Jr. already has uh, 15 from three race wins. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, Hamlin, uh, he's got a car. They're they're good. But the, for some reason, they just don't have 
what it takes to um, be at the front at the end. Like he he was top five on both stages Sunday. Yeah, but, um, it's the, it's those small mistakes that keep adding up, and then it's just he just seems to only want to really drive very conservatively. You know, he, he's like driving the polar opposite from Larson, who's just <laughs> balls to the like, wall. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I'm in my mid thirties now, but I believe the correct term is Larson yeeted his car through two others. Is that correct, Daniel? I don't. I, I, I see that, that term used. You're you're online. I, I I I don't feel comfortable using that. You're about term. four years hipper than me, right? So five years. Uh... I mean, like, my, my, my internet lingo is basically firmly established in, like, 2013-2015. Uh, anything past that, I'm not responsible for, and don't ask me to define it. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was Darlington. Uh, Martin Truex won over Kyle Larson. Kyle Busch was third. William Byron! He has ten straight top ten finishes. Uh, to open the year after start beginning with the third race of the year. Um, and that is the most consecutive top 10 finishes by a Hendrick Motorsports driver since Jeff Gordon in uh, 2007. Um, not That's not great because Jeff Gordon didn't go on to win the championship in 2007. Um, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson did um, in one of his, you know, five consecutive, wait, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, um, so yeah, he is quite, and he's done that quietly. Like he's not being flashy about his top tens. Um, and only one of those is a win. Um, so, and then fifth was Denny Hamlin. Uh, so, all right. What time is it, Crow? Well, right now it's time to talk about the Darlington throwback pants games. Okay, we're gonna we're over there. Okay, uh, so like we yeah, this was the throwback weekend. This was the sixth year, the sixth year of the throwback schemes. Um, at first, I thought when they started like rolling out schemes, I was uh, this year I was afraid that like we we reached the bottom of the barrel, um, and, and in some ways we did because we were seeing some paint schemes for like the second or even the third time, and that not specific specifically to the Cup Series. But, um, like, the Corey LaJoy's Alan Quickey Xerox scheme, the number seven car, we've seen that scheme before, but it wasn't actually with the Xerox, Xerox uh, sponsorship. So that car uh, looked great. Um, that was awesome. And, like, before the race, Corey LaJoy was actually walking around uh, in an actual uh, Alan Quickey fire suit. Uh, so that that was neat. That's so cool. that was one that was one of my favorite paint schemes. Um, what, what what was one of your favorites? And it was weirdly nice just to see a Hooters car. <laughs> like I don't know why, but uh, that's just it. It, it felt like it kind of brought back some good memories there. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. He, Chase Elliott in the number nine actually had the Hooters. He had Hooters paint scheme, so he had. Kowicki's nineteen ninety two championship car. Um, he he's sponsored by Hooters, you know, outside of that race, but it's never been that specific one. 
Um, but that is the like the third time that that scheme's been used. Greg Biffle had it, I think, in his final year, and uh, Regan Smith had it when he drove the number seven car at Tommy Baldwin Tommy Baldwin Racing one year. Um, another my favorites was uh, the William Byron's Valvoline scheme, which was a throwback to Neil Bonnet yeah. from mid eighties. Yeah, uh, I don't think. There's, there's very, rare, it's very rare that you have a bad Valvoline scheme. Yeah. Um, they're usually pretty clean, but I really, really like that one. Um, what else? I did like a Chastain's McDonald's scheme, which you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very clean. Very. The, the only thing missing from that scheme, I don't know why they didn't do it, was on the original from 1993 on the hood. There was like a box around the M. And they didn't yeah. have that there, and I was like, I, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't include that. Other than, other than that, it was, it was, it was fine. Um, oh, what else? Uh, I liked Sheldon Creed's truck scheme from Friday Night, which is technically it was a Jason Leffler throwback, though I'm ninety five percent sure multiple drivers have used that exact paint scheme back in the late nineties and the early two thousands, but it, it was still looked really good, and it, I, I liked it. Um, just Justin Algars in uh, the Xfinity series, which when they, they initially announced it, <laughs> I didn't realize what it was a throwback to, and then people said, "Oh, it's a throwback to the Tasmanian Devil paint scheme that Dale Earnhardt Sr. drove in the 2000 Daytona 500." And I was like, mm. "Oh, now I see it. Yeah. Now I see it. If I wouldn't, I would never have guessed it if you hadn't told me what it was." Um, so that was cool. Um. Michael Annette's uh, Darrell Waltrip Gatorade scheme was really cool. Um, Michael, yeah, Michael Annette somehow through all of his throwback schemes has been really good throwback schemes. Like consistently, bam, 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 they've really hit. Um, who else? Um, who had the the Snap Mobile uh, Hot Wheels theme? Oh, oh, the Hot Wheel, the Kyle Petty Hot Wheels scheme. Yeah. I, I, 26 I, can't, I can't think of his name, but yeah, that was in the Xfinity series. Yeah, it looked good. Unfortunately, that was a driver who was making his first start at uh, Darlington. Yeah. And unfortunately, he got collected in a wreck early on. Um, so that that did not make it to the end of the race in pristine form. Um, Joe Graff Jr. had a, a DeLorean Back to the Future scheme that, well, I give it an A-plus for effort. Um, he wrecked twice, so <laughs> unfortunately. Um, oh man, who? What else? Uh, said There was Michael McDowell had his um, Bill Elliott throwback scheme, which is hilarious. Someone pointed out on Twitter that it's really amusing that Michael McDowell was throwing back to Bill Elliott, and that Chase Elliott was throwing back to Alan Kowicki, the guy who beat Bill <laughs> Elliott for the nineteen ninety two championship. <laughs> um, so, you, sometimes you get these really uh, just weird things that happen. Uh, I, I liked uh, uh, Tyler Reddick's uh, Marty Robbins uh, paint scheme on the number eight. Marty Robbins was a country singer back in the seventies who also had a part-time NASCAR career, um, and so he he had a he 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 had one of Marty Robbins' old paint schemes that was advertising some country 
singer current. I don't know. Hold on. Let's. It was it was Mort- really un- unfortunate Mort- that um that Amarola wrecked so early with. Oh my god. <laughs> he had the. <laughs> Mark Martin Win Dixie scheme. Oh yeah. When I saw that thing plow into the backstretch wall, I was like, no. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Um so yeah, that was disappointing. Uh yeah, that you I never saw it until it was wrecked. So yeah. that I that, that that was that was disappointing. I'm um, curious what driver like what historic driver had the most like paint has the most associations with a paint scheme throwback paint schemes you know i feel like it was mark martin oh no like there's 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 been at least one mark martin throwback every year they've been doing this um and ryan vargas had one in the xfinity series which threw back to his early 90s valvoline scheme that looked very good very good very clean yeah that thing looked incredible in person Uh, not in person but you know in real life um um, but no, it's, it's Mark Martin or Del Arnhart. Um, there's pretty much always at least one Richard Petty scheme. I think uh, Daryl Waltrip almost always has at least one, but yeah, I would like to, to see in the six years that we've been doing this, what's the final total number and also then see that which, which schemes are the most successful. So, <laughs> um, and I really think, uh, a real in to two MVPs from this week were uh, Eric Jones's uh, John Andretti throwback scheme to his 1999 STP uh, scheme from 1999 when he won at Martinsville and uh, Quinn Hoff in the number zero zero car. He had John Andretti's 1997 RCA scheme uh, when he won at uh, Daytona in July for his first cup win. They did something that I, I wish others would do. RCA doesn't exist anymore. So you could just slap those logos all over the car and no one's going to say anything. <laughs> and they did. And aside from the number not being number 98, it looked beautiful. Yeah. And there's I've seen a couple of pictures of both the 43 and the 00 running together. That was really nice. So I, I, um, I got to give some props to is it, is it Josh Bilicki with the, the mock uh, Burger King scheme that is Insurance King. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that the name of the company? Yeah, he was sponsored by Insurance King, and they they had a genius idea. Let's throw back to Burger King. Yeah, that's so. that's amazing because it, it looks amazing. And oh no, I, the I, only problem yeah the only problem with it is it looks like Burger King. No, 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 <laughs> no, like when I first saw, it, I was like, "Is that Burger King?" And, and then I had to like squint and like, "Oh, it's not, it's not Burger King." Okay, okay, all right. Um, but yeah, that, those are when it came to paint schemes. Those are. Uh, pretty much kind of my, my highlights um, for the weekend. Um, I the, I have a bone to pick with Joe Gibbs Racing, and they had Ty Gibbs driving the Dale Jarrett Interstate Battery Scheme, um, but they, they had you know had it on the fifty four car. Um, they, they've already they've used that scheme in the past few years on the number nineteen. <laughs> I think they've used it on the number eighteen. And once you use it on the actual number that it's associated with, and then you slap it on another car with a completely different number, it kind of loses its luster. <laughs> Even if you get the sponsor, it's it's come on, just just put it on the eighteen, like we all want it to be. That's my bone to pick. Joe Gibbs Racing. <laughs> so, 
Um, any any other favorites, Crow? Before we move on, man, I, I'm just I like you know most of them. Like there were a few that weren't so great, but I think overall it's fun, and I, and I just really appreciate the sponsors that were cool to let people mess with their branding. Because yeah, those all those look amazing. The only ones that aren't I don't like are the ones where you know it's just too basic because the the. The sponsors, or it's like, oh, I guess we can do a throwback, but or, can't change or the logo. Or, or like the number 47 Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Hey, here's a throwback to Ricky Craven and the Tide Machine. And like, no, it's not. Like, don't even, don't even pretend. That, that was weak. That yeah. was weak. Oh, it, it, there's, we have Tide on the back of the car. No, no, that's, no. They, they <laughs> threw the logo on the back. It's a throwback. So, um, yeah, I, I do, I do appreciate what the, these throwback schemes when you can learn something that you didn't know, because when, uh, Stuart House Racing trotted out their scheme for Kevin Harvick on Saturday, they like, they waited till basically last minute and they were, they were hyping it up and stuff. And then, then they brought it out and I was confused because they were saying, oh, here, here's, uh, the paint scheme that Kevin Harvick drove in his first cup start, you know, after he replaced Dale Earnhardt. And I was really confused because the numbers were black and the trim was black. I was like, I'm pretty sure it, the numbers were red and the trim was red. But then I, I, after looking at it longer, it's like, I realized that I, I never knew or just wasn't aware that when Kevin Harvick, and the number 29 team showed up at Rockingham the week after Del Earnhardt's death, um, that it wasn't it wasn't white with red trim. At least for that race, it was white with black numbers and black trim. So I learned something new. Um, so And I, I made a snap judgment on a paint scheme. I was like, oh, okay. And so now I appreciate it. So I learned something new. Thank you, Stuart Haas Racing, for putting me in my place. So... <laughs> All right, what time is it, Carl? All right, now, now that we've talked about the paint schemes, it's time for that weekly segment. It's time for McDowell Watch. All right, McDowell Watch. 12th race of the year, Darlington, Goodyear 400. Our intrepid Daytona 500 winner, Michael McDowell, started 15th. His best career start at the track uh, was not his best career race at the track. Uh, he finished stage 1 in 25th, uh, stage 2 in 23rd. Um, and late in the race, he had an unscheduled pit stop for, for a tire going down. So he had to pit for that. And it resulted in him eventually finishing 25th. Uh, he drops from 13th to 15th in the points. Um, so not, not, not a great outing for Michael McDowell. Uh, we're now going to Dover, where he will be making his 21st career start. Uh, his best finish there was 19th in to, to 2017. Uh, and this weekend he'll be starting from the 21st position. Uh, 
I don't remember seeing Michael McDowell out on the track Sunday at yeah. all. So I can't really say anything. Um, yeah, he got a few. Men- he got a few mentions, but it was mostly like Kyle Larson just passed Michael McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or um, the group, someone, someone, and Michael Medell are the only ones left left that haven't pit, pitted yet. Yeah, but apparently uh, he had two separate flat tires throughout the race. Um, and yeah, his um, the recap, the team's recap of the race isn't very eventful. Other than that, so Michael Medell going to Dover. Um, like I said, his best finish was there was nineteenth in twenty seventeen. Um, so before we, I guess, move on, a little breaking news came uh, before uh, we started recording. Um, if you guys were aware, Saturday night, that uh, Noah Gregson had his fourth place finish in his $100,000 Dash for Cash bonus rescinded after a his car failed inspection. Uh, it initially, it violated Rule 20.14.C in the NASCAR rulebook, which states all suspension mounts and mounting hardware must not allow movement or realignment of any suspension and, and or drivetrain component beyond normal rotation or suspension and or drivetrain travel. I have no idea what any of that means. Um, but early, yeah, like I said, just before we started recording, uh, the National Motorsports Motorsports Final Appeals Officer, Roger Warner, uh, released his ruling on Junior Motorsports' appeal and determined that the appellants did not violate the rules set forth in the penalty notice. Um, no other details were given on what why it was overturned or anything like that um but it, it it's it was overturned uh no Graxon once again gets his fourth place finish and like i said his hundred thousand dollar prize he has now won all three dash for cast prizes uh going into the final race at dover this weekend uh dale Hart jr tweeted a few minutes ago um i told our group to accept it and move on to the next race but uh Crew Chief Dave Wentz felt confident in winning an appeal. Glad he didn't listen to me initially. Um, so, like, Crow, like, yeah. That, in my nearly, basically, seven years of doing this, um, I can't remember an appeal being, like, okay, yeah, you didn't do it. Rep- penalty rescinded. Yeah, I don't recall, you know, ever in the times that I watched... NASCAR, there ever being something repealed, like a not repealed, a, a rescinded penalty. It, it's extremely rare. I mean, it might have happened in like the last six years, but I just don't remember it. But I'm definitely going to remember this one, um, because that's that's a huge, like if that had been upheld, um, then going into this race, Grax would have had three DNFs and a disqualified race. Um, which means he would have basically been without one race of worth of points. Um, he would have just ended. He would have earned one point. Yeah. But now he gets fourth place points and whatever stage points he earned, he gets those back. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, congratulations to the nine team on successfully getting something overturned. Um, I can't. I hope we get the, some details on the, that later in the week. Yeah. But um, congratulations on finding a way to stay in the news that doesn't involve a fight. Yeah, or <laughs> you know, being disrespectful to veteran drivers, whatever. Um, so, but yeah, positive thing. He still hasn't won a race since June first of last year. So. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Justin Algar won his second race of the year um, Saturday at um, Darlington. Um, his first career win at Darlington. Uh, Josh Berry finished in second, giving JRM a first, second, and fourth place finish. On the same day that Dale Earnhardt Jr. got to drive, he paced the field in a number eight Nova that his dad actually raced in and won with at Darlington in, in the Xfinity series back in 1987. Um, cool. and you, so you can actually watch highlights of that race on NASCAR's YouTube page. Remember, remember I, I, I sent that link to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just an 11 minute like splicing of that race. So that's cool. Um, so yeah. All right. We're going to Dover this weekend, the monster mile, um, one mile concrete oval in Delaware. Not my favorite track. Not even remotely close to my favorite track. Um, it's a track that really puts on a good race once every, like, seven years. Maybe you get two within a three-year three, three year span. Uh, but it's just, it's just, regardless of the package, I, I don't look forward to Dover races. What, do, do, you, do you have any awareness of Dover, Crow? Yeah, I'm aware of it, but... Not, I don't really have an opinion, positive or negative, about it. All right. Well, the, since it's it's a one mile track, they're gonna have the the seven fifty horsepower package. So there's a chance it could be a decent race. Um, last year's doubleheader races uh, were won by Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. Um, that was Denny Hamlin's first win at that track. He's and he's made thirty some starts there. Um, so it's not one of his best tracks. Um, but Harvick is good, good there. Martin Truex Jr. is good there. Uh, he got his first career win there back in 07, and he won there again a couple of years ago. He might have three wins. Yes, he does have three wins. He has three wins and 30 starts, nine top tens, and 18 top ten or uh, nine top fives, and 18 top tens. Um, yeah, he won there 2007, 2016, and 2019. Um, yeah, in his most recent win, he led 132 laps. In 2016, he led 187 laps. So he is good there. Uh, I don't know who to, who, who to, to pick in this race. I, I've been waffling between Truex and Denny Hamlin. And I'm, I'm going to go with Truex. I, I, I just, we've yet to see Hamlin put everything together. Um,. This season, and I just don't think he'll do it this weekend, especially at a track where he's only won once in 30 starts. What about you, Crow? Well, once again, we are at, at a point where we're wanting to pick the same people, and I'm, <laughs> I want to make it more interesting. So I would have picked Martin Trix Jr. Um, but my, my faith in Denny Hamlin 
winning gets lower and lower every it's been shaken to its core every race so I, I just don't think i can go with it um so i will i, I will go with my the old standby and uh say ross chastain I'm hope trying to will it into existence here. Well, no, he's good there too. Um, we haven't seen what he's capable of doing there in good equipment. But um, when he made his first Cup start there, uh, he did it with Premium Motorsports, was which is just a you know a backmarker team. Um, but he he went in there and sh- I, would, I don't want to say shocked the world, um, but he surprised himself. Um, he shocked remember, your world <laughs> because I, I I interviewed him, you know, the week after that race, and he he said he didn't realize where he finished until he was like leaving the track, um, and he finished twentieth um, uh, in his very first start there. He started thirty sixth, I so he was three laps down, but for his, yeah his first Cup start at Dover Dover International Speedway, he finished twentieth. And he hasn't finished better since. <laughs> um, unfortunately, in the five five starts since then, he's only uh, his best finish was twenty eighth in twenty eighteen. Um, but no, he he is good there. He he he's solid when if you um, put him in the right equipment. He has two top fives there in Xfinity. Um, those both came last year with Colleague Racing. He finished third and second. So he is good there. Um, so it's like, <laughs> so it's not it's not a bad pick, Crow. Um, you could it, 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 we could be surprised. It'd be impressive. Um, uh, the forty two car did did win there two years ago with Kyle Larson in the playoffs. So uh, that that team does have a history. So. Well, I mentioned Josh Berry earlier when we were talking about the Xfinity race at Darlington. I interviewed him him earlier this week. Um, you can find that interview on YouTube exclusively this time around. Um, it, at least one... It'll be two videos. There'll be the full video and then one separate video. The separate video is I, I give him rapid-fire questions uh, related to the year 2001 because both Josh Berry and I are 30 years old. And so I, I gave him some hard-hitting questions on what life was like for Josh Berry in the early 2000s. Like, which did he, did he prefer? Disney Channel or Nickelodeon? Faith Hill or Shania Twain? Uh, and what... Uh, Nint- <laughs> PlayStation or Nintendo 64? And a few other uh, hard-hitting questions. Circa 2001 and Josh Berry. Your... Uh, one-time Xfinity Series winner and junior motorsports driver. So, uh, check that out. Uh, check out my column at frontstretch.com. Uh, Dropping the Hammer, that's what it's titled, coincidentally. Um, you can follow me on, on Twitter, at Daniel McFadden. Uh, follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Fadden. Or follow us on patreon.com. I, I, I haven't mentioned that the last couple times. Uh, patreon.com slash Fadden. if you like what you get here and want to help us you know not m- make the most of this th- th- throw a couple dollars our way that'd be great give, we'd appreciate yes, it give Daniel money so we get, so he can weather the uh, the 
forthcoming fuel shortage riot of Arkansas. That's not happening here. I, th- I think people in Arkansas are very much aware that it's it's stupid, um, and that 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 pipeline is going to be open in a couple of days. Yeah, I think it's like so- just it's Memphis and then east of Memphis <laughs> that are panicking. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely it's, going on in Memphis. It's the toilet paper. <laughs> it's the. It, I'm pretty sure it's the toilet paper people from last year. So it's the same thing. So um, yeah, it, it's pretty bad when the government has to issue a warning to telling people not to try and fill up trash bags with gasoline. Since this is an audio podcast, I will point out that Daniel's face looks horrified and also in complete disbelief. <laughs> that oh, is that that's. A th- who did that? Who had to do that? I forget the which federal one. government. Yeah, federal government. Yes, put out a, issued a statement today. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> okay, thank you for telling me that. All right. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, Dover International Speedway this weekend. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and also Dover is still happening despite the fake Bob Parker's tweet that's been going around. Oh and. Is there another one? Ugh, I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of people making parody accounts. It's, it's a, it was a fake reporters. Bob Bob Parker's tweet saying that Dover had been canceled due to gas the gas shortage. Well, you know there there's a history of NASCAR races being having to be shortened. Yeah. Due to yeah. doing due to uh, gas crises, especially back in the specific yeah. specifically in the seventies. Yeah. They yeah they had to cut them down. In order to appease people who were upset at you know forty cars running around in a circle for for four hours, so um, but yeah. Anyway, all right. Thank you for listening to, to Driving the Hammer with Dan McFadden. Uh, we're, we're we're enjoying doing this every week, even though Crow doesn't really tell me how many people are listening, and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you, and we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, also, email us with. Questions, comments, uh, beefs at DanielMcFadden <laughs> at gmail.com. And if you care so. to explain any any young children, or the young kids slang to us, do that. Yeah, please, please don't do that. Anyway, anyway yeah, DanielMcFadden at gmail.com. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. But anyway, thank you. I'm Daniel McFadden, and this has also been uh, James Crow. Say bye, Crow. Goodbye. All right, bye.